Welcome everybody to week three of our current teaching series, Better, Stronger. If you've been, you know, in this series, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, all personal in one God. Now, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. It's a supernatural source of power that makes us greater, better, stronger, and greater. Now, today we're going to take it to the next level. Huh? We're talking about the greater. I, I want you to get this today. I'm just going to pause. I want you to get this today. I want you I want it to resonate with you deeply today. The Spirit wants to do a greater work through us. Now we're going to jump in to the message today with some words from the Bible. And these are very special words because they're the very last words that Jesus spoke to his followers before he ascended into heaven, before he went up to be with his Father in heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is the greater work the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, that we are to be witnesses about Jesus. We are to point people to Jesus. You're going to hear that a lot this morning. We are to point people to Jesus. See, the Spirit of God not only works in us, but the Spirit of God works through us. The first two weeks we talked about how the Spirit of God works in us. Today we want to talk about how the Spirit of God works through us. I mean, yeah, even you. The Spirit of God wants to work through you to reach that one person. Because one matters. In God's economy, one matters. One person matters. This reflects the heart of our God that for people to find and to know Jesus, this is Christianity, yes? Everything else, it takes a far second. This is the pinnacle of Christianity. Now, many of you know this is personal to me because I was that one person. And there were people that took me and reached out to me and pointed me to Jesus. My mom, my family, just a tumultuous time. Did you ever go through a difficult time in your family? Huh? Without well, was us, we're going back early 1980s and... My mom decides, you know, she's going to leave the city because it's just a mess in the city. And me, I'm about uh, 17 then, and I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm all over the place. And she's thinking, okay, well, I'll, I'll just, what, what I have left of the sanity of my family, we're going to go out to Long Island, about an hour into the suburbs away from Brooklyn, which is like the country to me. And so, you know, the, su there's no, the summer's coming, and Queen is playing at Madison Square Garden for three nights in a row, and I got tickets for every night. I ain't going anywhere, right? So I stay back and to live in Brooklyn, my family goes, my other brothers and sisters and them are struggling, and now it starts to settle in on my mom, you know, and she starts to doubt what she did, and she's feeling terrible about what she did, and she's kind of having a hard time, and so she contacts the realtor, the one who showed us the house that she bought. It was a heck of a house, like six bedrooms, 4,300 square feet, $130,000 in 1982. It's a big deal, right? I mean, I think my parents, oh, I think their tub in their bathroom was like a mini swimming pool. We had never seen anything like it, man. And she calls up the realtor distraught, saying she wants to put the house on the market and sell it. So the realtor now, who had shown them the house, now has a shot at the listing for 130000 which is a big deal in 1982. And the realtor hears her out and says, you know, Marie, can I, can I come by? Can I sit down and we could talk about this in person? And my mom's like, okay, sure. 
She comes to the house, she sits down, and she says, Marie, can I share something with you about me personally? She's like, I'm a Christian. And that uh, means I, I have great trust and confidence in Jesus. And I, and I live all my life through that. And it gives me a lot of comfort and clarity. And, and uh, can, I, can I just share with you this morning or, you know, about Jesus? Can I talk with you? She puts the entire real estate transaction aside. She talks to my mom, ministers to her, this real estate person, woman, invites her to church, convinces my mom that now is not the time to make such a decision under such circumstances. My mom doesn't sell the house. She stays put. She goes to church. About two and a half months later, yours truly comes in and goes to church for the first time. And here we are, 20, oh, I don't know how many years later, me speaking to you. Why? Because one person mattered. Because that real to that woman allowed God to work through her to point my mother to Jesus Christ. Yes? Oh, man. And, and I can't fathom, what, you know, I can't wait to see her in heaven. And say, whoa, man, look at this. Look what you did. Right? I mean, she has no idea. I mean, she knows. She passed away before I really kind of went into ministry. So she has no idea, you know, what, what, what she did for the kingdom of God. All she did was say, hey, I know that more important than anything else is to point somebody to Jesus, yes? So I want you to get that today. I want you to embrace that today, that of everything you ever do in life, the greater work is pointing people to Jesus Christ. More important. Than, and if you believe that and you get that, everything else becomes greater and better. The Holy Spirit works through you and me to point people to Jesus. And we see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15, verse 26 through 27. He says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will come to you from the Father and, I will, and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So what Jesus is saying, we can kind of sum it up in two words. The first word is conviction. The Holy Spirit is forming within us a conviction about Jesus and who he is. And, that con and as that conviction forms within us, it rises up and it brings us to the second word, which is action. And this is how the greater work happens in us. And here's what I mean. When I say conviction, where it's not knowing the truth. When I say conviction, it's not believing in something, right? I think people confuse that. So if you believe, or if you know that dieting and exercising is good for you, and you could even believe that dieting and exercising is good for you, and you're sitting there in a restaurant, and the waiter comes over, and he shows you the dessert menu, and you're like, oh, well, he asked, right? I said ask, didn't I? Okay, I'm getting there. <laughs> and then, you know, you're like, well, you know, since you ask, you know, the cheesecake is, it's me. And he's like, oh, well, chocolate or plain? Well, why make things difficult? I'll take both, right? <laughs> Listen, having conviction is deeper than knowing a truth. Having conviction is more powerful and deeper than believing in something. Dieting is good. You believe it to be true, right? You have plenty of knowledge of it, but conviction is truth and belief that have been formed into the deepest places of your being. It has seeped into your bones. It stirs you. It rises up and you take action. You cannot sit. You cannot take action. And that action is pointing people to Jesus Christ. 
You see, the conviction that builds within us is that Jesus is the only real and lasting hope. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus is hope. If you're in here this morning and you do not not know Jesus, or, or you don't have real knowledge of him, you, you, I mean, you got these different thoughts and views and so on and so forth, you, maybe you don't believe in God, Jesus is hope. And I got to tell you, you can't live another second without hope. You, really, you cannot live without hope, and Jesus is hope. In this life, Jesus is hope that we could know God in a greater way. Jesus is the hope for freedom. Jesus is the hope for peace. Jesus is the hope for joy. Jesus is the hope that we can live our lives out in eternity with our Heavenly Father. This is the most important truth that God the Holy Spirit will form within us is that Jesus is hope. And we want to take action on this. We want to focus on this. This needs to burn deep within us. This will change your life. This is what changed my life. This is what drew me from being a depraved, distorted, broken, warped person only living for myself every minute of every day, everything that came my way, it was interpreted through what's in it for me. How is it going to help me? How is this going to hurt me? It's all about me. Even when I thought I loved, I didn't love, it was about me. But this right here, pointing people to Jesus, this thing that got in me, it changed everything. You know, and you see, and I see this happening with people. You know, for me, it got in me, and, you, and it, it just went. And for the most part, with the exception of a short season in my life, but a very painful, difficult season, all on yours truly, not my Father in heaven, it was on me, I always kept that going. I always had this great desire, this great concern, this great yearning to see and to point people, to see people know Jesus, to point, point people to Him. I think what happens to us is we get distracted, you know? I mean, when we first come to Jesus or know about Jesus, we, we get it. We grasp it. We're hearing something that just totally connects with us, which it should because God created us. Then something begins to happen. It stirs within us. We feel better. We think we could do greater things, and we can. We were made for that. As we begin to live out these truths that we're hearing and that we're sensing within us, things are getting better. And sometimes, as I say, nothing changes, but everything changes, right? Because of what God is doing us. And then... You know, things begin to move on, and we got these different doctrines we got to talk about, and then we got, you know, wow, it, things are doing better, and we met somebody, we're getting married, we're getting a house, and, and all of a sudden, everything's coming into the picture now, and it's not just me and this Jesus that I was pointed to that changed everything, and it's so awesome, and it's such life, and it's such freedom, and it's so real, and nobody can take this from me, and I got to tell people about it because they need to know this too. I can't rest, I can't sleep, I want people to know the Jesus that I know. Not out of abrogation, out of passion, because it's burning in me. But these other things come in the way, and then all of a sudden we start getting prideful, meaning, well, I don't have the personality to, to do that, or I don't have the ability or the skill set to tell people about Jesus. But in the beginning, we didn't care, right? We didn't care what we sounded like, what we looked like, man, it was just Jesus, right? I'd quote scripture wrong. I'd tell Chris, oh my God, you're not going to believe what I told him. I wouldn't have looked it up. It's bad. It's bad. Because you, you can put people to some bad places in scripture. But I just wanted to talk about Jesus, huh? Listen, it's, and, and what happened when we, we were so zealous to talk about Jesus, to tell people about him? 
with zeal, abandonment to anything. I want to tell you, it's not about personality. It's not about ability. It's not about preferences. It's about putting everything aside, every distraction, anything that deters you, and it is about taking in the power of the Holy Spirit that's within you, that's forming a conviction in you to point people to Jesus. So you see, you're not, when you're thinking about what Jesus has done in you and what, and, and what he can do through you, and you're thinking about pointing people to Jesus, you're not really focused on what you can and come what not can, can do. Huh? You're just thinking about how great, the greater thing God can do in your life and what you know he's done in you. Because you're thinking, if you're me, if he can do it in me, he can do it in anybody, right? <laughs> and you're so excited to be a part of that. I mean, even Christy, my, my wife, when she's 10 years old, you know, God put it in Christy early on. When I met her, she just so much wanted to see people come to know Jesus. And the only reason why she even talked to me in the beginning was like I was like this poor, wretched soul that maybe would come to know Jesus. That was like a, a pity thing or something like that, probably. <laughs> it's the truth, you know? People are like, why are you talking to me? I don't know. You know, I just, I just think, you know, but you know what? She never asked, she never really pushed me. She never prodded me, you know? One time she asked me, do you know Jesus? I said, yeah, sure, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we went back and forth. And I'm like, you know, the thing is, and I've told you before, you know, you, you believe in Jesus. You trust him. I don't. I don't trust Jesus. I mean, you live your life, but I, I, I won't. You found him. You go there. I, I just, I can't deal with that stuff. It gives me a headache, you know. But from an early age, she had that desire. Ten years old, Christy invites her middle school teacher to come to church. No, 11. So she's 11 years old. So she's in middle school. Sixth grade, she invites her teacher to come to church, telling his, the teacher about Jesus. The guy eventually comes to church, winds up staying in church, is pointed to Jesus, comes to know Jesus personally, and winds up being a leader in the years ahead in the church. How incredible is that, huh? How God can work for you. And someday, this guy is going to see Christy in eternity, and it's an awesome thing, huh? It's when we get a picture of all that truly is about. Look, have that urgency, have that passion to see people come to know Jesus. And here's what I do, you know, every now and then I'll go through those seasons where I just don't like people. Do you ever have one of those days or weeks, you know, they just get to you? I don't know, is it just me? Okay, good, good. I'm probably the only minister that has those seasons where I just don't like people. <laughs> well, there's a, not, there's a lot not to like about, not to like about people, huh? Come on. You know what I do more than not when I see that nonsense creeping up in me, that ungodliness? I go back to what's always worked for me. I pray to God that I would see them the way he sees them. Huh? I pray to God that I would see them the way he saw me. Not for where, what they are, but what they could be and what could be done in their lives and what God wants. And once I start thinking that way, I get excited and I see, oh, my Lord, what could happen here now? Look what happened in me. Sometimes it's obvious that people need Jesus, like with me. You could see how coming. This guy's a train wreck. He needs Jesus. Other times it's not. People can really feel they think they have they can seem to have it together. You might think that it doesn't matter. Everybody needs Jesus, regardless of who they are, what car they drive, what their education is, down, out, up, doesn't matter. Everyone needs Jesus, right? And they do. Sometimes we're a little intimidated because of where people are and what position they have. You know what? Come on. You've got the greatest message known to humankind. 
Nothing has changed lives. Nothing has changed this world and affected it in a positive way like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Huh? Point people to Jesus. All right, so, you know, there's a difference between, you know, me and my brother, we'd, uh, we'd play a game. We, we just rough, I don't know, we were just rough in the house, me and my brothers, you know. Sometimes playing and sometimes, you know, we're Sicilian, we're Italian, we would go at it like, like violent fights in the house, right? And, uh, and we and would damage a wall. We'd bust through a wall, we'd break something up. And we, we try and put it, especially the wall. I just my mom had this thing, don't put holes in my walls. I don't know what it was. And when we would, we'd try and cover it up. Like we'd move the furniture around. We'd, 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 we'd change things, you know. Uh, get a painting. We, we, really, we would go crazy because to, to, we didn't know how to fix the wall. And if we did, we didn't care. We just, we just going to put something to cover it. We'd cover the hole. Huh? And eventually, we'd forget about it. And one day, we'd hear screaming. We'd hear yelling. My mom moved something and said, you know, start screaming about a hole in her wall, right? And then there was a day where she found two holes in the wall, and that was it. You know, I think we, we do this. And, and oh, people around us, this is happening, that they cover the hole in their heart. They're covering the void in their life. They're not fixing it. They're just covering it. Simple words, but it's true. And what fixes that hole in their hearts, what fills that void is Jesus Christ, is the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, that comes into them and points them to Jesus Christ, right? You know, it, it reveals the living God to them, huh? It illuminates the word, the truth of them. It all begins to make sense to them, and it draws them to their God, to their Heavenly Father. And it inspires them to put their faith in Jesus Christ, and you get to be a part of this incredible divine dance, huh? What greater thing can you do? So in Acts 1.8, we opened up with that. The scripture we read in the beginning, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 2, the Spirit comes on them, and it fills them with conviction. That's what happened. It filled them with conviction, deep in their bones to tell others about Jesus. And they did it. And they did it like crazy. And they did it no matter what, no matter what the cost, even their very lives, they could not keep quiet. They had to tell people about Jesus. And that's just what Jesus said they would do. Now, that's what the greater work looked like in their life, but what does it look like in our life? we really like to send you on your way with something. You could just walk out these doors and just put it right into your life right away. You go through the drive-thru and Dunkin' Donut, and you're ready to go, right? Listen, most of us, the people that we can point to Jesus, they're friends, they're family, they're co-workers, huh? And because of that, because of those relationships, we can govern ourselves in some way. There were some practical, but powerful, and biblical things we could do. The greater actions that we will do will work through those relationships to point people to Jesus. You see, like my story and many other stories, you'll find there's a few elements that are present when people were pointed to Jesus and came to have faith in him. Like that woman, that dear woman, the realtor, who has talked with my mom, the first thing she did, and I'm like, wow, because you understand, 1982, we're coming from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, it's Catholic, Catholic, ca I, mean, I, I mean, you know, let me, I just, again, we, I want to be careful here, you can be Catholic and practice some serious faith, we did not, and really nobody in my neighborhood did that, for the most part, nobody, 90, 
you know, 98, 99% of people, we went to church on Easter, went to church on Christmas, and really God was in the building when you were with the priest and doing the, you know, ceremonial stuff, uh, the formal stuff, but once you walked out, it did not translate into your life. It did not carry over. And if anybody talked about Jesus, you know, I mean, you could wear like the Christ said with the diamonds in it and the rubies. You can get the tattoo of Jesus. But you, if you talked about Jesus, you were like a, you were a freak. You were a holy roller, right? Nobody talked about Jesus. Nobody talked about God. And here's this woman, you know, and she knew where we were. And, he, and yet here she is. She steps out and talks to my mother honestly. She shares with my mom what God had done in her life, who she was, what her faith meant to her. And after she was honest with my mother, you know what she did next? She invited my mom to go to church, the church that she said she had met other believers and how, this, how much this meant to her and how God had worked through this place to change her life even more. And then when my, when my mom said, okay, she then would follow up with these promptings. My mom's like, I don't know, I think she's following some me sometimes. You know? She'd send my mom a Bible. She'd mail her a note and a card. And she would say, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Honesty, invitation, prompting by the Spirit. Not always in that order. When I went to church, about two and a half months later, it was different. A 17-year-old kid walked up to me after church, just like this, imagine. I come in, I'm sitting right up here in the front. I'm there because it's the only way my parents will let me come back into the house. I come in, this is like such a weird thing, it's really foreign. I thought I was going to walk into like a big cathedral-type place. It's a smaller church, people are personal, they're singing these songs and clapping and all this stuff. Whatever. I'm done, I get up. I really didn't dislike it. I didn't like it. I'm indifferent. I'm just, I'm going to leave now. 17-year-old kid meets me right in the back, meet right in the back of the church, speaks to me and invites me to go to Friendlies. He invites me to go to Friendlies. And then at Friendlies, he's honest with me about his faith, and he tells me what's going on. And then after that, he's prompted to keep in contact with me, to talk with me, and to continually invite me. And four months later, I come back one night in a jam, because I thought they were good people, because I trusted these people, and I thought they were okay, having no idea what it would do. And it changed the trajectory of my life, because people who believed in Jesus, who wanted to point somebody to Jesus, were honest about who they were in their faith. They invited me and my mom and my family to things to do with the church, and because when prompted by God, Holy Spirit, they would put themselves aside for me and my family. My brother, who came to the faith about a year ago, thank God, who is an atheist, he even turns around and tapes the football games now to go to church, which is a pretty big deal if you know my brother. He's a huge Steeler fan. You had to be a huge Steeler fan if you grew up in my house. And you know, he says, Dave, I just remembered the way they would do things. Like, they would always drop in when we, it was crazy. It was like, if we didn't have food or if there was something going that wasn't right, because things got ugly, it got messy. Things were bad, and the business went down, and they always seemed to be there. And they would just tell you they were being led of the Holy Spirit. They were following that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you feel that prompting, capture the moment. Don't force it. Don't force your faith. Don't force the moment. It'll come to you. But when it does, be sensitive to what God is doing and capture that moment. 
and then in the moment, get honest about your faith. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't be shy about it. Don't whitewash it. Put it right there. People, I remember my brother who's an atheist said, you know what, Dave, I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, I think I know where you're going with this, and you know, I just think it's an emotional crutch for you. That's what it is. That's what your faith is. It's an emotional crutch. I said this before. I said, I said hey, Mike, are you saying that I need Jesus to get through life? Because if that's what you're saying, it's not just one crutch. It's two crutches on the ground I walk on. I need Jesus to get through life. And here's why I need Jesus, Mike. And I just spoke right into his heart. That was like, oh, like 14 years ago. And now he comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Listen, how you do life. What do you mean by being honest? Tell them, this is how I do my life with Jesus. This is how I think because of Jesus. This is what makes me tick because Jesus is in me. It's not about how they should do life. Don't tell people how they should do life. That might make them, you might point them to the door when you do that. Share with them how you do life and what Jesus has done for you, right? How he's given you new life. I want to show you a two-minute clip, and it's an interview with a singer named Bono, lead singer of the group U2. Some of you might know that. The younger ones, you might know that. So simply put, if you're younger and you don't know who Bono is, it's who Justin Bieber was he could be, right? That's Bono, man. My eyes. All right, let's check it out. Let's check the video out. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To and Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so, so whatever. So then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, I so therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. How cool is that, huh? 
I am a miracle, huh? He's divine. He rose from the dead. How many people's lives were changed? It just can't, you know, it can only point to that. He is the Son of God, huh? So what was Bono doing? He was just being honest, right? Plain and simple, this is what I believe. Don't you just love the glasses, by the way? When you're seeing it, thinking, man, maybe I could pull that off. And then you're like, nah, nah, maybe I can't, right? He just does it, huh? This is only a few years old. The interview is a few years old. It's with a guy named Charlie Rose. And he's asking Bono direct questions, pointed questions. And he doesn't even shift or shudder. Yes, he was divine. Yes, he rose from the dead. Yes, I believe what he said. Yes, I believe in miracles. That's great, huh? Don't shirk back from these incredible truths. Because why? He says, hey, come on. Have you noticed? In over 2,000 years, this man and this truth has changed over half the world, you know? Hundreds of millions of lives have been changed in a positive way and impacted because of these truths and because of people that believed in Jesus. What he's saying is because of people who pointed others to Jesus Christ. If you ever go to a U2 concert, I don't know, I mean U2, yeah, concert, I don't know if they, yeah, they still do it. They used to end with a, a psalm. Anybody remember the song? The psalm? They would end with a psalm each, each concert. So look, now most of us aren't going to be interviewed on TV, right? But from time to time, it's going to happen. You're going to be approached by a neighbor, by a friend, and it's going to come up, and are you going to be honest with them about your faith? Are you going to be straightforward with them about your faith? And I don't mean like forcing it and jumping in, but when they're like, so do you go to church and you do that stuff? Are you just going to say, you know what? Here it is, plain and simple and sincerely. Here, let me be honest with you. People like honesty. They're tired of the insincerity. They're tired of the wishy-washy. They're tired of it, of it all. Just be honest with them. I did it with my neighbor. You know, we were talking and they started talking about some difficulty that him and his wife were having with their parents. They're getting older and it's so difficult. And it just, it just went right there. And I said, hey, you know, this is, you know, you know, this is what I always think about that, like, you know, with Diane and Lloyd and, and so on and so forth. And he's like, oh, you know, just, I, always pray, I always think about what are you going to do if Lloyd dies? Who's going to mow the lawn? <laughs> That's what everybody says to me. What are you going to do if Lloyd dies? Who's going to mow the lawn? There you go. <laughs> So, you know, I just took it and said, hey, you know, when I think about that, I really lean on my faith. And I started talking a bit about my faith and about praying. I said, even now I'm praying to God to give me strength and clarity to just to approach that. Because it's often, you know, it's how you're prepared, it's how you're going to handle these things when they come into your life, the emotional stuff. And I tell him how I lean on my faith to, to prepare me for that stuff. And he's listening, we're talking. It was a good conversation. Chrissy did the same thing with another neighbor of ours, another woman, and she actually knowing what Christy and I do in our family, she actually asked Christy to pray for her for something she was going through. And Christy, being bold, said, you know, let's pray right now. And a woman like Christy said, her face just dropped. And she's like, well, well maybe you can just pray for me. <laughs> but at least Christy was honest and open. And, and who knows what takes place next, right? Point people to Jesus. Listen, hey, you can lean in or you can lean away. Choose action and lean in and be honest. All right, so level 01, let's get going. All right, next thing is invite people to church. That's it. It's simple. It's right. You've got these invite cards. We support you in doing this. So much of what we do, the food and the music and the, and the attractional stuff and the video, it's that you're going to invite people and they're going to come in here and it's not 
not what they expect, it's not what they thought, and they can relate to it, and they can connect to it, and they're like, wow, these people really expected me to show up, I am being treated like a guest, I feel like a guest, man, the, all that I thought this was going to be, it is not, I relate to this, you know what, I think I'm going to come back next week, and that's when we win, when they come back next week, because if they don't, well then what happens, right? So invite people. Yeah, we got the video going on out there, and it is getting slammed and slammed, and so many people are just looking at that video, and October 15th, grand opening, I'm getting texts from people, people and stuff is going up on a Facebook page, and all that, but I want you to go and invite people. Take those cards and just hand, I mean, those cards make sense, people can relate to it, they're professional, we are equipping you, and today I am exhorting you to go and invite people because people have holes in their lives and holes in their hearts and they're trying to cover them and you have what they need to fix them. Point them to Jesus, yes? All right. The last one we're going to talk about is the Holy Spirit prompting. We'll go through it quickly. And this is the hardest. This is a hard one to grasp. You know, because often when there's something to do with prompting, it can be incredibly personal. It can be really challenging. It could almost kind of be uncomfortable, maybe sacrificial. When I went through for six months, I used to think it was a year that I was with the, so the people in that church, they eventually took me in. No one, you know, rightfully so, I couldn't live with my family anymore, I was so disturbed. And I was out in the street and they took me in and they, I lived for, I used to think it was a year, but I only lived, I realized it was only six months. For six months I lived with people in this church. And I feel so important, I feel like it's my church and I'm so important to them, and yet I was with them for, short, for such a short season. And they mean so much to me. They changed my life. 631-665-1274. That's my pastor's number. Changed me because they were prompted by the Holy Spirit and reached out and cared for me. They'd get prompted and buy me a baseball glove. They'd get prompted and take me out for dinner. they get prompted. They just, and you know what? That showed me what Christianity was. When I did come around later on, in my later 20s, I got it. I was right on it, because I remembered that's what Christianity is. That's how it works. This is what it does. Follow the prompting. When God puts something on your heart, and he will, God, Holy Spirit, be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to put yourself aside. We've got to do this. I watched those people in that church, man, that small church, they would do it constantly. Matter of fact, they thrived on it. They were waiting for it. It was like, okay, God, please pick me. Prompt me so I can go and do something good for somebody. And they did it like a swarm, man. And they changed lives. Beautiful thing I got to see. Be inconvenient. Because you don't know that what God has taken you to is a beautiful thing. Why? Because it's the greater work. There's nothing greater you can do than to point somebody to Jesus. Wow, what could be greater than changing someone's life, pointing them to Jesus and seeing them in eternity? When you feel that prompting, you might think that you're on your own, but you're not. It's always you working with the Holy Spirit. The God, the Holy Spirit, working through you. You've got to get that. I do. So I'm blessed to have a, a dear wife and children who go with me on this journey. And if you're around in my home, it is crazy. I'm not irresponsible. I'm not careless most of the time. 
But I'll say, guys, you know what? Let's go visit this one. Come on, yeah, let's just come on. Let's drop. We got, you know what? Let's go visit this one. Let's go help this one. It's what we do, and you know that. And what is it? They say, you know what? God just puts this on my heart. And I say, you know, you know what I say to them? And they get it. Now, sometimes they beat me to it, my kids. I say, here's an opportunity for us to see God do something great. Here's an opportunity that we're just going to take a little bit. We're going to take like an hour and a half to two hours of our night, maybe five, six, seven, eight bucks, and we're going to really make a huge splash in this person's life for Jesus. And we're going to show them the risen Christ. We're going to show them what God is made of. And you know what? I'm telling you, they're never going to forget it because I never forgot it. I still remember getting that glove. I still remember getting that ride. I still remember going to friendlies. I mean, I can tell you what was on the menu because they were not doing it on their own. God, Holy Spirit, was working through them to get to me and impress on me and magnify in me what they were doing. Do you get that? All right, let's move forward. I am so grateful that I went to church that somebody invited me to church. It changed my life forever. It changed my life forever. I said, God Almighty, what would have happened if they wouldn't have invited me to church? And I was not the person you'd want to invite to church. I was so obnoxious. I was so rude. I still say to this day, no one has come through these doors that was as difficult and as terrible as a person that I was, and I mean that. Now, I got... I'm so glad they pointed me to Jesus. Now, I still got a lot of issues that I'm working on, and that's the truth, man, you know. <laughs> I'm still Dave Trelongo. I am still a sinner. Every several months, I see that which is in me that is not of God, and I got to jump on it and start working on it. But I'm so grateful to be part of that battle. Run to the battle, my friends. I'm so grateful that God is with me, and we were working on this. And when I think about going through my life and not knowing Jesus, I cringe. I mean, I actually stop and I cringe thinking, oh my God. It's like I just missed, like, you know, being run over by a train. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful for those people who shared their faith. I'm grateful for that real to that woman who put herself aside to share her faith with my mom, to invite her, to be honest with her, to move with the prompting, you know what, okay. And, and you know what, she was, a, she, was a, she was a widow. She was a widow living in a small home. I remember went over her house, her bathroom needed all sorts of work, and she tossed away all that commission and all that money. Why? Because it was something greater. <laughs> and she knew it, and she's right. You have no idea how God is going to use that, what God is going to do. Right now, every single one of my siblings, and there's six of us, has faith in Jesus Christ. Most of them are living out that faith in a wonderful way. My parents know Jesus, and I stand here, you today, ready to go with you and change this city for Jesus Christ. We will point this city to Jesus. We will show them Jesus. Our culture will scream Jesus. Lives will be changed right here in this auditorium. People will come to know Jesus as they happen, and, ha and they will continually do that. And we're going to get to be a part of that because somebody pointed me to Jesus. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. we got to get going. Worship team, why don't you come on up? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Those words, you're going to receive power, that Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when it clothes you, when it envelops you. I want to share with you what this meant to me. 
that when I kind of filtered this through my experience, that when I came to Christ and in the, and in the early times would happen. There's a, a pastor, he's an author, his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he gives this illustration in his book, Joy Unspeakable, and he's trying to describe, you know, just what it is to, to, to know Jesus through the Holy Spirit versus this kind of common religion type of a thing. And he says this, here's the illustration. He says, a father and a child are walking alone along the path. The father's holding the child's hand. Then suddenly the father startles the child by reaching down, sweeping him up into his arms. And he hugs him tightly and he's kissing him on the neck and he's whispering and he's telling him, I love you so much. I love you so much. And then holding the stunned child, he looks at him deeply so that he's looking into his face and with all his heart, he said, I'm so glad that you are my child. I'm so glad you are mine. And then hugging him once more with an unspeakable warmth and affection, he puts the child down and they continue their walk. The child's stunned. He doesn't know whether to cry, shout, fall, jump. He's just so happy. The fuses of love are overloading him that they just, they're going to blow out. The subconscious doubts, listen to this, the subconscious doubts that the, he was thinking at that time that pop up every now and then, they're gone. And in their place is utter and indestructible assurance so that you know, that you know, that you know that God is real and that Jesus lives. Do you hear me? So that you know that you are loved and that to be saved is the greatest thing in this world and you could walk down the street and you cannot contain yourself and you want to cry out, my father loves me, my father loves me, what a great father I have, he loves me. I think that's what happened that day of Pentecost. I think that's what happens when God, Holy Spirit, comes upon us and into us. We feel this massive assurance that God loves us, that God is with us, right? And it just clouds everything out. All this doubt that gets in the way of things, this uncertainty that really we, we're just not really secure in much at all anymore. But in that moment when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we got it. We're secure. We know we belong to Him. We know He's reaching out to us. We know we would not think like this if it weren't for what's happening within us. We now are drawn closer to God, yes? And that's what happened that, that day. Their mind was full of a fresh, new, breathtaking vision of God and their mouths overflowed with professing about who Jesus was and praising Him. This is the greater work that we do in pointing people to Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with me? Sense your convictions, the moving of the Spirit in your life today. Take action on them. Be honest. Invite people. Go with the prompting of the Spirit. Amen.